everyone, welcome to Heart's Happiness Podcast. The place where I, Manpreet, share my journey of healing intergenerational family trauma to help you to understand your story. I share a bunch of tools and tips that will transform your mental health and allow you to find your own heart's happiness. So exciting, right? Each episode will cover one of three areas. One, raising awareness of what this trauma actually is and how it hides in our lives. Two, tools, tips, support, lots of different things that I've used to get better and heal from this trauma. And three, I'll be connecting you with so many specialists and therapists and coaches as guests on my show. So we are going to transform your mental health and empower you to take your healing by the hands and move forward. Hello everybody, I'm so excited to share today's episode. It is my first time interviewing more than one person. So we have a panel today with three men talking about male mental health, um, masculinity, being man enough, and how that's affected their journeys and how they're healing from it. So it's a really special episode, a bit like a red table talk, kind of in honour of Movember and male mental health. And it's such a subject which is really close to my heart having lost my dad to suicide, having a granddad who struggled with alcoholism, the men in my life have really struggled with their mental health and I just feel like so much awareness needs to be raised and conversations around how men actually feel because boys are not encouraged to feel, to express themselves and then that can mean that they can get very stuck and um, just basically get unwell like my dad did. So that's why this episode is so special to me so I'm really excited for you to hear it in a moment and I just want you to know that this podcast Heart's Happiness and anything I create any of my coaching services my membership community is for both men and for women it was really important for me when I started on this journey that I could help both men and women not just women specifically so if you know anybody that is struggling do get them to reach out and see if my services are right for them or even though they can join our membership community Omar is on the podcast today and he's actually a massive part of our membership community and we want to draw more men to our special online uh, support group if you like so we talk about on the podcast about different ways that men can connect but I just want you to know you're always welcome on Heart's Happiness. Also, to all my regular listeners, please share this episode with the men in your life. I really want it to go viral because it's such an important conversation. So if you are a fan, please share it with those guys. And now I'm going to pass you over to my very special panel. So I'm really excited because for the first time ever, I'm having more than one guest. And I'm doing, if you like, my own version of the Red Table Talk, but with... Um, like on a podcast. So we are talking today to a lovely group of men to talk about toxic masculinity, what it means to be a man, feeling man enough, and how that has affected their own journeys, their healing, their mental health, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I think it's important whether we're a man or a woman to understand um, each of our different perspectives. And also that women, it's not just women that are affected by the patriarchy you know we are affected by it because we are oppressed in different ways but men struggle with it too because it doesn't support them to be their best versions of who they are so that's why I asked this lovely group of people on so I'm going to actually ask you each to introduce yourself so um Omar as I've had you on before so Omar did a podcast with me in April and he is one of my membership clients so did you want to just say hello <laughs> 
Yeah, hi Ron, um, great to meet you and it's it's nice to be sharing you know this podcast with uh, a lovely bunch of people as well. Um, so um, yeah, my name's Omar, I live in Aberdeen in Scotland and um, I'm kind of been going on a, a long-term sort of mental health journey but more a case of trying to really rediscover myself and my worth and kind of unpack a lot of my childhood trauma um, so I can actually become a better version of myself and I'm grateful to be here today as well uh, and obviously talking about this uh, different topic you know and see how yeah. see how it goes it's- it's a very important topic as well thank you so much for coming again and so we also have josh who has a platform on instagram where he talks a lot about these issues i actually spoke to his wife first a long time ago when i started my podcast and um i love his post so i asked him to come along so josh did you want to just introduce yourself Absolutely. So, uh, so I'm Josh, and I just want to thank you for having me on here. Um, I've had a, a chat with uh, some of the guys on the panel before we got here, so it seems like we're in for a real good show. Um, but so where I am, I'm actually in Canada. Uh, I'm in Ontario, and my wife and I, we actually have a wellness center that we opened up. So that's actually called Healing in Color. And so, uh, you know, we do different things. We do retreats and uh, we do different workshops. We have a space or we have multiple spaces that people uh, can sort of get their healing happening. Um, you know, other people can sort of come in and do healings here. And we have a yurt as well. So that's a really cool experience of what we do. Um, so that's kind of like the short of it. So I kind of handle unmasculinity. So unmasculinity is just a safe space for men to really, you know, come together, have conversations, learn, do things things together and and really just build brotherhood because, you know, more and more as all these issues come out that, you know, a lot of us men need to work on, um, you know, we also need support at the same time as we do that. And, you know, of course, not feeling like we're alone is such a major part of any healing, right? So that's kind of what we try to facilitate. And, you know, like the name says, healing in color, we saw a big need for people of color to have representation out in this space. So that's kind of what we're all about. That's amazing. Uh, thank you so much for joining. And um, I'm going to put your um, various Instagrams because I know you've got a few accounts um, onto um, the episode notes. So thank you so much. And Josh was the one that put me in touch with our third and final guest, which is Manny. So I feel like you should introduce him, Josh, like how you guys know each other, because I feel like there's a story there about a brotherhood that's been going on in Canada already. Well, you know, Manny, Manny, like when you meet him in person, he's kind of this guy that needs no introduction. But, you know, for the sake of the listeners, I guess, um, you know, he's just one of the kindest souls ever. Um, You know, having moved to a new neighborhood, we're only really we've only really been here for about a year. Um, you know, we ended up with uh, my wife and I, we were on one of the newspapers and it was because about it was about diversity in the new community. Um, and so people saw that it, it was a small publication. I didn't really think, you know, anyone would recognize me or anything. And uh, I popped into Manny's restaurant to get a takeout order and he spotted me and I was in a full, you know, winter coat. I had my mask on at all this stuff. So he only saw my eyes. You know, so I think there's something special about someone who can really, you know, peek or see into someone else's eyes and almost see their soul and just want to connect with them. So that's Manny. But you know what? I want to give him the platform to introduce himself because he's he's so much more than I could ever put into words. Thank you so much. Manny, did you want to say hello? Hey, how are you guys? Um, yeah, I'm Manny or my name is Emmanuel, but because better known as Manny. Um, yeah, I mean. Thank you, Josh, for the awesome introduction. I don't think I can beat that up. Um, But uh, I mean, I guess I am, I guess, survivor of uh, sexual abuse. And then I'm being, uh, I guess, an active 
at the moment, well, I mean, been trying to be an active uh, speaker in terms of trying to help other people. I'm trying to create this uh, concept that's going to be called Brunch. So it's Lunch for Bros, uh, where we have like guest speakers, different workshops, and it's like a safe space for men to be able to be themselves and be vulnerable. I guess, um, yeah. There is there's a lot of ripple effect that that will create the moment we allowed men to be themselves. Yes, thank you so much. So I also saw your video that Josh sent me. So um, the first time I came across the term toxic masculinity was from Justin Baloney, whom I was obsessed with from Jane the Virgin. But when he did that amazing TED talk where he talks about um, a lot of stuff that I was just blown away from because I just find that men very rarely have these conversations that we're about to have. Um, even my partner, who's a absolute sweetheart, he really struggles to have these kind of deep kind of conversations so when I saw Justin's video I was just like this is amazing any male client I've got I always send it to them and he's just released a book as well and you had the honor of like chatting to him on his channel or whatever that was exciting so is there anything you can tell me about that <laughs> yeah it was pretty exciting um <clears throat> I I um my wife is initially the one that got into Jane the Virgin and got me into it and I pretty <laughs> much watched the whole season together <laughs> yeah um, and then she was the first one to talk to me about the book. Initially, she wanted to buy it for herself. When the book came out, I bought two signed copies, actually. And I was the first one to read it. And then it, it created a lot of impact. Like, it really created a lot of, um, I guess, self-discovery. I should say it like that. Like, it, it allowed me to, to rethink a lot of the air, like, like the, the, the faces of my life and kind of like question every single one and go deep into that. Um, and from there, I was following his podcast. I was constantly following his, his page. And yeah, he, he had a life. And I will constantly request the life. <laughs> and, uh, and I was never accepted until that day that I actually got accepted. I think it also had to do with before I did not have my own Instagram account. It was my business account. So I don't know if maybe that was a part of it. Mm. But uh, but yeah, he accepted the account, the, the invitation. He was um, with Jamie and Elizabeth. And there was like the whole panel and I, I guess I was able to express my my thanks to him for being um uh a, like right now a leader of the movement for mm. men to 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 be able, like to be themselves and it was it was it was actually pretty uh, emotional to see Justin crying <laughs> mm. he he cried with my story he um he felt really touched after he did reached out to me and we had a couple conversations and he did offer his support for the movement that I'm creating, the brunch club. Uh, so that is amazing. Like, honestly, like it is, it is quite honor. Like it's an honor to know that he will be part of it or he at least will support it any way he can. Yeah. Well, I'm just so grateful to have you all like coming on to my podcast. Like Omar, I think was maybe one of the first men that I had on. Like I, I, at the beginning, I used to really struggle to get male guests. That's not the case so much anymore, but I just so appreciate you all being open and having this conversation. And I think, you know, when we had our pre-conversation, just hearing all your different stories about your own trauma and, you know, and that being linked as well to, to dad and everything like that. And what's great about the work that Justin done, 
Baloney's Baloney is doing is, um, you know, actually giving this a name, man enough. And when we find out, like when I have conversations with men now, I realize that so many men feel almost strangled by this uh, idea of what it means to be a man. And it affects them. Like in the UK, we have a massively high rate of suicide for men. Um, my dad took his life. I know loads of uh, men that have either committed suicide, died of alcohol, um, and, you know, really struggled because, you know, men are not allowed to be who they who they truly are. We have to, they have to, like women in a way, but it's different. Like you've got this straight jacket that I can only imagine how restrictive that is when you're growing up into a being a man and you've been through trauma. Um, so I know you've all got different stories. So um, what I wanted to ask you first was um, growing up. So I'll start with you, Omar. So we'll go around in the same circle. Um, you know, when you were growing up, what what did you see as man enough in your household? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question to start with. Um, definitely is. Um, so I'm, I'm the youngest of three and I've got like two older sisters. And um, my dad always used to sort of preach that, um, you know, I would kind of become the man of the house and, you know, we have to kind of stand up, you know, for ourselves. And, um, and then it was my job as the only boy in the family because I've got two older sisters that I would be, the, the person that could take, take the reins and look after them and, and so on and forth and so forth. So my dad was, was young when he got married. He was 17 when he got married and my parents had an arranged marriage. And I was also expected to have an arranged marriage as well, which, which I kind of sort of later as I grew up and started to kind of realise, well, hang on a sec, that's not the way the, the real world works, so to speak. Um, and I was also experienced how my dad, or experienced first and how my dad was would verbally bully my mum and, you know, wouldn't say, and I wouldn't say anything or stand up to him. You know, it was just seen as as, as a normal thing to do. So, um, and he, he would also come across as being somewhat controlling as well, you know, towards me. And if I did anything that didn't conform to his ways, um, then I would I would be ridiculed or looked down upon. And I thought, well, maybe that's what I need to do. I need to not show emotion. I need to be not vulnerable. Um, and there was also this sense of tension around him as well. Um, and subconsciously, what I was doing is probably kind of programming or getting these emotions hardwired into me, but kind of suppressing and burying them because you just put on a, a front, you know, you tend to kind of be someone that you're not. Um, you want to be this strong, resilient person that doesn't, 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 doesn't cry, you know, doesn't really want to open up to others. Um, and as I grew older, it really, it really meant I wasn't able to connect with others in a, in a more empathetic or compassionate way. Um, and as I started to go through therapy later on, I, I realised that I had these fragile narcissistic tendencies, which means I couldn't really show or process compassion or how to be present in a, with someone, how to understand the feelings of others as well. And the worst thing is I wasn't really allowed to be vulnerable. And, and if I was vulnerable, then that's seen as, as, as weak. And where, am I now, where I am at now, it's, it's just certainly not the case. You know, it's not who I am at all. It's not why it's what I stand for. It's not what my values are. And, and yes, I do have a lot of regret. You know, I do resent myself at times still. Why didn't I know this before? But for me, that was my normal. Um, unfortunately, I've actually 
created a boundary with my parents and not spoken for nearly two years now. And it really has allowed me to go inward and, and really sort of rediscover myself, um, which has been a brave but really enlightening thing to do, you know. And I'm really appreciating and grateful for the journey that I'm on right now and where I'm at today. Thank you. So what I, what I think is amazing about you, Omar, is obviously um, you were throughout your and your story is and I'll put your story episode that we did together in the episode notes as well. But, you know, you became this man that you felt like you you should be. And, you know, like even when I know the amount of times you told me I had these fragile narcissistic tendencies, which I can absolutely not believe because I know you now. Um, and you're just like so kind. You talk about your feelings. You're really like connected with yourself. Uh, so it just sounds so surprising to me. But it's almost like, um, you know, when you watch your parent, I mean, I've done this watching my mum even and watching my parents interact that you wear this mask and then you start to perform like them but it's actually not who you are and then that actually just causes your mental health just to get you know just so much struggle because human beings all of us men and women are supposed to express feelings are supposed to feel pain are supposed to express ourselves not it's not a man woman thing it's a human thing and um yeah I just think that it's crazy that you had put yourself in that straitjacket for all of your life because that's who you thought you should be, you know. I think there's also an element of fear there as well, Manpreet, you know, because if you if you if you want to take that straight jacket off, you you know that it's 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 holding you back. Um, well, sometimes you don't even know it's holding you back. You just kind of say, well, that's what I need to do to protect myself, and and that's it. But you know, unfortunately, it's been that detriment of the relationships I've had with other people in the past, and. And some of the, the loving close relationships that I've just, um, you know, subconsciously pushed away um, at the detriment of, of 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 the fact that I was objectifying myself and I objectified others, and it does hurt. You know, it still hurts, but I own that story. I don't I don't let that define me anymore. Um, I take responsibility for my actions, uh, and and but developing a sense of awareness and self awareness is the first step to kind of really go on that healing journey as well to to start to almost sort of reinvent yourself a little bit um but yeah 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 definitely well, I, could, I could only imagine how much it would affect you in relationships with women or you know romantic and friendships when you've been watching that particular dynamic with your within your parents as well right so that must be um you know that's a whole learning curve in itself like I feel like I'm I have no guide of how to be in a healthy relationship like at all and I'm figuring that out like with my partner like literally I was never shown in it, it I mean can I watch tv to figure that out I'm not pretty sure you can't find it there either and that's that's the thing but you you're amazing for just owning it so how about you Josh um how was man enough for you growing up what did you see tell us a little bit about your story um, so my story, um, so it was, I didn't really have, uh, I guess, a consistent male figure around. Um, I was raised primarily by my mom. Um, so when she was actually 19, and I think my dad was just about 22 when they had me. Um, so I wasn't planned. And then they, they divorced a short time after that. And um, so my dad is someone that I would see, um, you know, maybe every other weekend, I would go spend that time with him. So, you know, a lot of that is more like you just, you focus on more of the good memories, you know, the fun stuff, go for ice cream, you know, build a model car or something like that. You know, it's not so, it wasn't so much about, I guess, the day-to-day that like a son might get to pick up more of those cues about like, you know, how do you be a man really, right, from his dad. So, 
my dad himself too, he also didn't have a father in the picture. He only met his dad twice. So I think like, as I've thought about it more, my dad has been more in touch with, I guess, his, his feminine energy, right? So when, you know, people would look at him, especially back in Guyana, which is where my family's from, you know, the things that he would do, like he was very, he was very organized and very clean. Like he loved everything to be clean and tidy, you know, and, and part of what really built him into that is that he was part of the scouts back, back there. So, you know, they, that's what they preach, right? It's about those strong principles, you know, and I'm sure that was a really, a really monumental moment for, for those kids growing up without dads. Now, what I realized is that as my dad's gotten older, he's, he's stayed the same gentle kind of spirit, right? Um, so, you know, you'll still see him doing all the dishes, doing all the things that I guess the traditional man would be like, oh, I'm not supposed to do these things, right? So when I would see my dad do that, you know, to me, that was like, oh, well, that's just what a good partner is supposed to do. It wasn't about that's that's a man, that's him being man enough or something like that. You know what I mean? So I embodied that. And then what I found is when I was growing up, you know, the small things like you you fall off your bike and you're you're crying, you need you need some comfort or whatever. My dad would, you know, come, he'd sort of stand over me and he'd just laugh at me. Right. So, you know, it's like I get it. There's some tough love there, but as a kid, you don't process it that way. Right. So what I, what I grew up as I, as I had more conversations with my dad and I would see how he would respond to certain things. What I realized is he was actually trying to toughen me up so I could survive in a world that like he didn't have those tools and that awareness of how to survive in the world. Like back in Guyana, people would often ridicule uh, like my grandmother saying like, oh, your son's gay. Right. Like that would be, that would be a big thing, especially in a community like like down in Guyana. Right. Like those small villages, that's that's something that is a thing to them, you know, so you know, it was, it was just a source of, I think, things that damaged his, his sense of self and, and his own, you know, feeling of, of any kind of well-being and esteem. So I think he almost tried to go the exact opposite in how he, he raised me up, you know, in his involvement. Now, um, I can't say that it was exactly healthy and I didn't exactly gravitate towards my dad because of that, because I was more used to that, I guess, you know, feminine energy, right? Like that more caring and loving and that kind of thing. So, you know, with my other stepdads as well, like I've, I've had a total of three or sorry, two, um, they were also kind of the softer men, you know what I mean? So in those relationships, I guess if I had to, to categorize people, I would say my mom sort of embodied more of what would be typically masculine energy, right? So she would be the lead on, on so many things. And, you know, at certain points she was making more, the more money than, you know, my stepdad or whatever it happened to be. Right. So it was, it was kind of flipped. Right. So for me, I had to try and understand how to be a man kind of, it was kind of like a lot of observing and like self-teaching and because you're encountering so many different personalities and people of different ages and backgrounds and stuff like that, it's very confusing. Right. So I just tried to like think and, and pick out the parts that people seem to be having success with like, Oh, you know, you should be well-read. And, you know, you should know stuff about business and watch the stocks and you should like sports and play sports and all that kind of stuff. You should look a certain way. You should you should be in the gym. You should do all those things. So a lot of it was really self-taught. Right. And then that in itself presents its own issues when I get into real world relationships, because people aren't sure how to accept that. Right. And because I'm still on my own growth journey, it's it's I, I'm sure it's very confusing for people in relationships with me because it's it's like we're not sure where to meet him because he seems like he's he's doing so many different things and there's so many different areas of growth right so it's it's interesting I would say it's interesting and and a lot of these podcasts and you know meeting a lot of the men even Omar like I think we only had one chat really you know like he's helped me to understand my own journey that much more like even today when you just had your share there were so many things that I'm like oh my goodness I, that resonates with me you know what I mean so it's been a lot of self-teaching I would say
Yeah, well, I guess what that's what opening up the conversation does when you speak to other men and you realise that, oh, God, that's what we were doing as well. Because I do feel like, you know, the pressure is for a man to be a little bit emotionally unavailable to his children. Like my dad used to tease us all the time, a bit like what you just said there, Josh, because I don't think he knew how to like or he didn't think he should be caring and show love for things yeah. like he wanted to tease and mock and just you know it was like almost like it made it him so uncomfortable to have that conversation because that's again what what you're all taught but when you're actually having these real conversations then it means you're actually allowed to be authentic and be seen um for rather sure. than because it sounds like you had lots of masks not just one man <laughs> and, and and that's the thing right but I, I also find like you know when when men are trying to be good dads especially since you mentioned that right it's like I think about, you know, for those who use TV as their reference of what's a man supposed to be or a dad or whatever. It's like, let's think about it. You know, we'll all probably reference the same good, like five TV dads, right? And all of them are not any of these things that we're all thinking we need to be. They're the exact opposite. So it's just like, you know, why are we resisting even when the example is shown to us, right? Um, so I think, I think as more of these conversations happen, you know, I think we'll, we'll break down a ton of walls. Definitely. Thank you so much. And Manny, did you want to talk a little bit about what was man enough in your household? Because I know you're you're all from different areas where you started your childhood, which is great. So I love the diversity of the conversation. Um, ah, where do we start? Do we have enough time? <laughs> yeah, of course um, we do. You know what? I I think there's a lot of countries, I mean, I'm from Mexico, but um, I think there's a lot of countries that share the same kind of upbringings of what a man is supposed to be. But I grew up, you know, like basically with this concept that a man, one, obviously never cries. Two, it's kind of like that, uh, the, 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 the leader of the family, like the man is, it's what it's, like what you look up to um i grew up with a dad that will be physically violent to my mother so that in a way i always knew that that was not right but at the end of the day you see it right like you see that it's something that is even common around like the families like i i remember that it was like if you see like another mom with sunglasses at school, there might be a black eye in there, right? And it, it was it was more common that it's supposed to be, uh, or that it should be. Like this, this should be something that it, it should not be looked as normal, but it was quite normal. Um, and and that was that was tough. Like that was that was tough. Me, I think I've always been a very sensible person in general. But I, I had to suppress that for the longest time. Like, I think I just genuinely started crying, like for even like watching a movie, like recently, because before I was suppressed all of that. Like, I will never allow myself to even cry because that was not a normal thing. Uh, and now it's like, I think I cry once a day. <laughs> but um, but it it is... I guess I'll give you a, like a small little short story on how imp like kind of like me growing up as a man was. So I remember I had to, um, I offered my girlfriend at the time, my wife now, uh, to do her birthday party at my house. My house had a big backyard or my parents had a big backyard. And I asked for permission to my dad. He said, yes, no problem. You can host her party in here. And 
I left that morning because my girlfriend's mother asked me to go get some money so we could buy some alcohol and food and everything. So I left Saturday morning, somewhere around 10, to go meet them at their house, pick up the money so I could go grocery shopping and then get everything ready for the party to start at, I don't know, three o'clock, something like that. It was like 20 minutes into my drive to go pick up that, that I get a phone call from my dad and says, and excuse the language, but he says, where the F are you? I'm like, I'm on my way to my wife's, my girlfriend's house um, to pick up money. And he says, his response was, are you stupid or what? Why would you go and ask them for money for your girlfriend's birthday party? You come right now back to the house and I'm going to give you the money and you're going to pay for everything. So it's like, then I grew up with this whole thing about how it's like a man has to pay. A man cannot ever ask his wife or girlfriend for money. I used to get more money, more or more allowance because, I mean, unfortunately, I was a very spoiled child when I was like younger. And, uh, and I say unfortunately because obviously that created a lot of issues for me growing up. But um, like if I was going out with my friends, my dad would give me, let's say, $10. But if I had a girlfriend, my dad would give me 50 because I had to pay when we go out for whatever she wanted. So it's, it's this image that being a man is the one that pays, the one that leads, the one that, that does all these different things, the one that controls the relationship, the one that says what we can do, what we cannot do. Uh, like he can go out for drinks, but my mom couldn't. Uh, you know, all those sort of things. So it was a very, you could say, traumatic lessons of how to be a man because then you go when i move into canada then you see all this diversity and you see all different relationships different male figures different that it was is a cultural shock i was like well, okay i see this guy doing all these things i see this other guy doing all these things so what is actually the right one because this is not how i grew up i was in a shock to see that couples will split the bill I was in a shock to see that couples will split the grocery bill. It was like, no, 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 that, that's not right. And then I will become very judgmental about it. I will criticize them and, and basically put them down for not being man enough to pay for the house bills. And then obviously put a lot of stress in myself because I had to work so much to pay, obviously, the, like the house bills of my wife and I and not allowing her to work because it was only my responsibility. So it was, it was, it was tough. I mean, obviously, there's more to it, but it is. I don't think um, we've ever grew up with this proper malfunction. And I know at the end of the day, right now, I'm in a, this phase where, although my dad and I were not in the best relationship, I also understand that I was raised by a traumatized man mm. that I cannot blame him for. Like at the end of the day, he probably did better than his dad did. Mm. And his dad probably did the same, if not worse, to him. Who knows? Like, he was trying to give you something different that he didn't get, but gave you all of his trauma anyway. He just handed it over to you like a like a big present. But I think, you know, what really hit me when you were saying that as well, is just like, your dad's telling you, this is what it means to be a man. You pay for everything. Men have the power and control. It's okay to be violent. Um, women are the weaker ones. And, um, and that's who you should be. And I'm guessing, like... Uh, women does all the housework and all of those kind of 
things that we're all told and you're just you can't we all just like kind of run with it because we're just like oh that's just the way that it is um and I, I remember when we spoke last time as well like you were saying how you were this other this more sensitive quieter boy that and you felt like you had to get bigger and like you know just to kind of be seen as a man when you were living in um Mexico yeah I mean just an idea like I always grew up with a maid, like uh, back home, like, I mean, having a, a service person in your house is not expensive. So since I was little, I grew up with having a maid that will live 24 seven in the house. So even that is, it was not like it was a guy that was doing the oldest work for us. It was a girl or a woman that was doing the dishes, doing the laundry. I do not have a memory of my father ever washing one dish or ever doing, even putting laundry on like ever, never. So, I mean, the way I grew up is like, that is how it is. Like women have to do that. I have to do other work, right? But yeah, like I, I mean, I was always a big guy. Like I've always been a big guy, even for like, uh, like, um, like weight or size. I've always been, you could say oversized to some of the, uh, like the friends or, or schoolmates around me. But this uh but i was never like a violent person like i it was not in my nature to be violent i became violent to prove in that i was man enough but i was never violent myself uh but i had to because eventually like that is what will help me identify more as a man than being this soft little guy like some people will describe me as this like big teddy bear and maybe, yeah, that maybe that is, I will, I will own that. Yeah, that's, that, that, yeah, I take it. I'm like this big bear that it's softer than anything. But that was not, that was not a compliment. That didn't used to be a compliment. It almost, it was like an attack. Like, I mean, over, I'm a little over six feet tall, big, over 200 pound guy. Even when I was like, I think I had my height when I was in grade six. So like all the kids will look at me up but they will never be like, oh, I can fear him or I will respect him because he's so soft. So I had to then become aggressive. So they're like, okay, I, I want to earn that respect. And it was obviously that confusion because it's not respect, it's fear. But then it's, 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 not, it's, it's not the right thing anyways. It never, it never fulfilled the satisfaction of feeling accepted. If anything, it made it worse because then it's like, I don't really have real friends. I just have friends that need me for whatever reasons. So it's, yeah, it, it, it is tough having that, that relationship with masculinity. Like it's not, you never define exactly like what is the right thing. Mm -hmm. And I think, as I said, and I repeat it, it was worse coming to Canada because then it was a cultural shock. It's like, what is the path? Like now I see like a hundred different types of males. Mm. And I, what, well, I think you've all said this anyway, is that basically what you ended up doing is whatever you needed to do in whichever culture you grew up in to survive. So for you, Manny, it was to like, I have to be more, I have to be violent because everyone thinks I'm a teddy bear. So I've got to sort that out. Otherwise I'm going to get killed or beaten up or whatever. It's like we all, I mean, everybody does it. But what, what I feel when I'm hearing each of your stories is just that what became your survival pattern to almost be this man that you thought that you should be you know and rather than who you authentically or you know are and and that's just like such a 
it's like being pushed down your whole life. So the next question I just wanted to ask you all, and you could all just give me a wave and then each of you can tell me, um, is just how this expectation that you've carried of yourself to be a man has affected your mental health and your relationship with self. Um, yeah, who wants to go first? Anybody? So like the mental health impact of sort of having all these expectations, um, you know, maybe pushing away your feelings, not expressing yourself, not being vulnerable. Um, not, not, we'll talk about self-care in a moment, actually, just because I, I feel like that's another thing. But how would you say it's affected your mental health? Yeah, go, Josh. Um, I'd say it's, it's impacted it quite a bit. Um, you know, Omar, like how you mentioned, like I think you mentioned some time away from, from the family, like some, some, some focused time away from the family. I've actually endured quite a bit of that because of some stuff that we have right now. And that's actually where I'm beginning to unpack a lot of these different things for myself. But um, how I've found is, is, especially in romantic relationships, I think it's, um, it's been a big, a big hurdle there because you know, like I said, the way I try to become the best version of myself is trying to observe, you know, what is it that seems to make people happy and, you know, fulfilled and that kind of thing. So in relationships, because I would do more than what I guess, uh, you know, the person expected a man to be doing in the relationship, that would then bring a whole host of other questions. And they were like, it, quite regularly in relationships, like, like the, the women, like they were, they'd appreciate me a whole lot, but they would ask me if I'm gay. Just like, you know, what was done to my dad, because you care a lot, you know, you, you try to predict their needs, you try and run the bath for them, you try and pick up their favorite book, whatever it happens to be, right? Like I would do a lot of those things. So I think it impacted me a lot because it's like, hang on, I thought I was doing everything that a good partner is supposed to do. I'm capturing all the things a man's supposed to do, but I'm not being limited to just that. So what's what's the issue now? So I think it just came back to that whole thing of like, can we ever get this thing right? because it just it just felt so impossible right it's like I like you said like there were a lot of hats that I wore because there'd be a lot of households that I'm in and stuff like that right so you're going around and it's like none of these versions seem to be good enough so it's like what the hell like that that's the worst thing for anybody to ever feel right um so I I found that it impacted me a lot and you know when it comes to mental health just even you know in, in building male relationships like friendships and stuff like that it was always very difficult um, because once again, like they they would trust me to be that person that they would confide in, and you know if if I ever need anything, I know I can go to Josh kind of thing. But when it came to like that rah rah, like yo, let's do some guy stuff, somehow I was left off the call list for that, and I found that that was very much my experience, no matter sort of what age I was at. And so now, you know, as I'm exploring all of these things, and I'm trying to see like what do I want to leave behind of this version of myself that I've created. I find like I'm actually having more genuine connections with people who are like me. And I think what's helping, of course, is that we're all like more open than ever to talk. Right. So I think it's helping me to work through a lot of that. But in the absence of of friends and feeling like you have that safe space, being it anywhere. Right. Even if it's at home. Right. It's it's a lot of just like thoughts. And you like I, I've realized like I've lost days. I Like I can't remember months at a time because I've been so overwhelmed with stress and like, who am I supposed to be in this moment? And then having to live with that disappointment of, oh, it looks like I let so-and-so down and having to suffer through that silently, right? So it like I, I found it's had a, a tremendous impact on it. And it's something that I'm working on a lot right now. Um, therapy is not something that's new to me. I actually just did uh, recently, I, I just completed a, a fourth session 
of therapy. I hadn't done that since I was younger, but I found that that's helped me a lot because, you know, even just having someone that you can pick up the phone and, and call, and it's not even that you need them to say anything or give you anything profound. It could just be the fact that someone said, yeah, you know what, I'll make some time for you. You're important. You know, yeah, so, just give, giving you the space to speak. Like just hearing your story, um, I can't tell you how much I resonate with it, but just, <laughs> just the, you know, the level of people pleasing that that it sounds like you were trying to do. You're like, I'm trying to be a man, but I'm trying to be a really kind, loving partner as well. Um, you know, I'm doing all these things. Why am I not? Why am I not being accepted for who I am? Or, um, you know, why? Why is no one wanting to hang out with me? Like. What's wrong with me? So what yeah. should I do? I used to say when I was little, oh, I don't, how many times do I, what ways should I fold myself up into to get somebody to love and validate me and make me feel like enough? Because yeah. it's so hard when you're just doing that all of the time. But yeah. also just, that's a, a, you really said something that was a big point there was as well, that men um, belittle other men <laughs> for being sensitive or just different or you know I just I I have a memory from childhood my dad was like he was very put on the manly act um and had these narcissistic tendencies but he was also like a like he used to write poetry he was really deep um you know he was really into music he was really into creative things like that and I remember um some uncles just absolutely just ripping the piss out of him um, you know, and I just felt I remember just feeling so crushed that they did that to him and that he hid those parts of him, which were the most beautiful parts of of his soul away to be like the aggressive man that his dad was so that people would not take the piss out of him. And that's that's what's that this toxic masculinity has created. It means that other people are horrible to other people um, only because of, you know, you're probably reflecting something on the inside that they wish they could do. But, you know, like all these things of, oh, um, you know, even I, I hear it in my friends' um, partnerships and relationships, even mine as well, where, you know, one husband may do more around the house and it's like, well, men are just not like that. You might have a, a like a softer one there yeah. or something. You know, that's just such a large bollocks. And, and you know what, it's interesting you mentioned that part about you and your partner because that happens a lot and that's actually... You know, like it, it happens. So like we talk about it, but, you know, Suki would mention to me, for example, you know, when people would hear about, you know, my level of involvement in our relationship and our home and that kind of thing, they would exclaim to her, oh, you're so lucky. And that would bother her. Right. It's like, what do you mean? It's like, I don't deserve that in a part like, you know, I'm not good enough for that. Is that what you mean? And I know that's not what they mean. Right. I know they mean like for what the average Joe is going to bring to the table. Right. You you are relatively luckier. Right. I know that's what they mean. Right. But it's just like, why is it that for men, like our bar is so low that the moment we, you know, we, we go to the groceries without someone asking us to do it. Like, why are we superheroes? Right. Like that's come up. And I think even Manny and I were chatting about that a bit. Like, you know, when we were talking about the Justin Baldoni podcast, right? Like it's fantastic. It's a great platform, all that stuff. Right. But he's not the first guy to ever say these things. Right. People have been saying this forever. Right. So it's just like, you know what, like we just have to, understand right like like we're all capable of this and just because he did that he's not a superhero either he's just a guy who's trying to rise to the occasion and elevate other voices right so like as as great as it is to celebrate all of these things like i guess there again it comes into this like balance of like okay don't celebrate it too publicly you know what i mean so it's on all levels this thing is is just really messed up so there's a lot of change in thought process that definitely has to go on for it to be helpful but 
just to add to what you just said about Justin Baldoni, like saying like, yeah, there's other guys and there's other male figures that have tried to do the same thing that just as, as he did. I think even on the whole concept of what Justin Baldoni is doing, there's some sense of misguided or toxic masculinity in it because now it's like other guys are like looking at it as like, oh, so a bigger guy than me is doing this. I almost kind of like have to level up. It's creating a positive impact on my, my, but it's kind of like, it is a good thing that a big guy like him in terms of like his, 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 um, his position in the world, his, his success in the world, because we almost, almost other men look at him like, oh, he's better than me. So the fact of him saying no, like I am just a normal guy, I'm just like this, and allowing other men to do the same, it is it is unfortunate that like I guess what I'm trying to say is that it's unfortunate that it had to come from somebody like that for other men to actually wake up. Like it's like women have been saying this for like there's other women just as famous as him that have been trying to say things like this. But we haven't listened. But it's not until a guy with that kind of power, with that kind of image of like nice big body, like like a real man, have to do it for us to listen. Like yes. I don't like because he looks manly, doesn't he? And he's you know he's a good looking guy, successful. So we should listen to him. Um, I mean, the good thing about him doing this is just that he has a huge platform. So like it's going to reach more people. But, you know, everything that you guys are saying is just making my brain go ding, ding, ding. Because even like things I've heard of, you know, when a dad takes care of their child for an evening or feeds the kids or I mean I even do it with Simon like I'll just be like oh because we've been really working on this together so I'm like oh thank you so much you put the shopping away <laughs> you know or well, I still do way more than I should but we are working on it but that's because that's what he grew up watching and I grew up watching a man not doing very much so we're really trying to figure that out because otherwise I'm just shattered from trying to do spin a thousand plates but that's the result of all this culture and then like you said Josh is we start to have you know like I can imagine, only imagine when your wife is saying to them it's like well you know it's his house too and isn't that what we all deserve like I always think we're supposed to be partners we're not like in life you know in what we pay for how we live our lives and the whole thing but we've all got these roles that we were put into our heads that have to be a certain way for us to be woman and want to be man and it's just um, I feel like it's just squashing everyone oh absolutely really. and I mean like I find like it's, it's even an adjustment period for the partners right like to understand like oh okay like because both partners if they're gonna have that healthier relationship they both got to adjust the thinking right and then hopefully land on the same page to sort of understand and accept each other so it's, it's like so many levels for this thing to actually be successful in the way I'm sure all of us are hoping for it to be. But I think the more people see stuff like this, I think they'll be more encouraged to do it for sure. Well, that's why the conversation is so important, because it's just like we have all it's like we've all been brainwashed in such a massive way that we all think this is normal. But it's actually like just these roles that we're telling people to perform. And as we've just been starting talking about, it actually affects our mental health you know, men and women, and we're just like carrying along with it rather than having the difficult conversations, like say with my partner, where, you know, I know that I'm not going to please him by saying, actually, I would like you to help me more. Um, and sometimes at the beginning of our relationship, I'd be quiet to be a good girl and be that woman that I thought I should be. 
but then you know I started to get exhausted and not be feeling very well so it was like I had to change it and that's still a learning journey for me because I very much had my mum was in this role as a woman and my dad was in this role as a man so and I think he's very similar so we just it's like a real it's a real like you have to be really vigilant and watch it coming up and work on it it's like takes a lot of practice so guys as Omar Manny um how do you feel like all these things have affected you in your mental health so that's like your relationship with yourself and others your maybe your partners or you know friends or whatever I think for me, one of the the biggest things, like already I can kind of resonate with what Manny was saying before about being spoiled, for example, because I was spoiled as a child as well. You know, I was the only boy who was the youngest and, you know, my parents afforded me um, gifts and toys and and things like that. So even though there was a negativity in the household, I thought, oh, well, that's okay. At least they're giving me, you know, a nice push bike, um, Lego sets and Meccano and, and, and things like that really control cars you know all these kind of manly kind of hobbies that I had growing up um so it kind of made me think well that's okay you know and later on in life I kind of recognized that I was ended up spoiling myself because I thought this is what's my drug you know this is what's going to actually make me feel better about myself um but what I was doing was just actually again as you say hiding behind a mask and suppressing and burying um, you know these these vulnerable uh, emotions and feelings because I wasn't able to connect to them in that way um, but you know as a result of the verbal and bullying and the silent treatment that I, I was surrounded and brought up with it it made me carry a lot of negative feelings and, and have low self-worth you know and and I tried to kind of seek some kind of approval or validation from my parents and I thought you know surely if, I'm doing something good, you know, I've got some good marks in school or I've, I've been able to, um, you know, um, got a good report or something like that. And it was never really any of that there to a degree that it made me feel, yes, I do feel confident or confident with this, you know, comfortable with this. Um, and in fact, you know, it, it, I was kind of pushed away by them, you know, by my parents emotionally and, and physically and, 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 you know, I was abused as well um, by my parent caregivers and it made me have this real sense of um, rejection um, and, and and self kind of sabotaging as well. And I ended up having a, a, a lot of self-hate really, you know, but it was just my normal. It's just the way I carried myself. And I know we talked about this before on the last call, but I remember the way I manage that or control that was to right see what I can control so I, I can control my weight so I lost a lot of weight um and before I went to university the lowest I weighed was like 56 kilos and um you know I know I also found ways of coping by self-harming because for me that was my way of releasing um you know this tension and this trauma and these these kind of negative emotions and feelings that I had and it also made me feel really disconnected as well. Um, and I, I, I recognise later on as I've been on this healing journey um, that the biggest relationship issue I had was actually with myself, um, you know, and I found it difficult to really feel positive about myself, even when other people were supportive, you know, as I grew old and it's like, oh, yeah, oh, my, you are a good person, you're all right. And that, that would automatically trigger me, you know, it made me feel like, no, I'm not because I've been hardwired to kind of feel this way. And um, 
and that was my normal, that was my coping mechanism. And like um, Josh was saying earlier on, I know Josh said about going through therapy, I've been through therapy as well, and, and I don't feel there's any shame in that. I don't feel there's any stigma. There shouldn't be any stigma about it either, and, and medication as well. And I've been fortunate that I'm in a system where I see professionals and get professional support. And I've really, really kind of embraced that and, and really taken that on board. And it's really allowed me to, to connect inwards, unpack a lot, uh, you know, go through the, the, the realms of inner child work so I can really unpack what happened, understand my story and find these kind of links to why certain behavioural patterns that I adopted um, have allowed me to then say, right, yes, I can change this now. I don't need to be defined by this I don't need to allow this to own me um you know I want to be able to kind of own who I am as a person and become really true and authentic and for me it's almost like being like a bit of a rebirth and I'm still going through that I know it's going to be a never-ending journey and I and I own and 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 honor that as well um but I love you know speaking these platforms like this with so many like-minded people as well and it just kind of humanizes the whole experience you know it doesn't make it feel scary. It doesn't make it feel like you're weak or anything like that. You know, in fact, I kind of embrace this as being even more superhuman, really, um, in a way that you're just able to kind of um, honour who you are and and really become a better version of yourself. So, mm. well, um, what I love is just even hearing all your stories. Um, it's just you know, it's like. I'm a woman, I have a different experience to you, but like the healing journey, the childhood trauma, the abuse, the impact of the abuse, the behaviours that you do, it's all the same. You know, even though we're different gender, all, all of that is the same, but we're acting like we're from two different planets when actually we really are not. We've just been conditioned in two different ways. And um, yeah, having conversations like this, and you guys are also brave because like you get help you're on your healing journey you're um, changing your behaviors you're trying to be better and healthier men but there are unfortunately so many men that are still not awake to this and suffering which is why I wanted to do this podcast but not just for the men but for the women too which is you know that men are human beings with feelings and trauma as well so they might present that in a different way to you but we all need to um, listen and share our stories with each other and um, so Manny how about you because I know you've been through so much with your own childhood and then everything that's happened and then you know this stereotype man that you're trying to be how has it impacted your mental health uh I think I think in the, in the in the part of my mental health it has affected first of all yeah so much but I think one of the first things is that I, I, until recent years, I have, like for the longest time, I hadn't really created real male relationships. I, I think it was always this constant, I don't think I will, I, as I said, until recent years, I ever saw a man as an ally. I think I always saw them as a competition. Like it was always like, it was always like this competition of who's better in who's who's who gets the best the best girl who gets the best job who gets the most money who has the nicest car who has like you know what i mean like who's the best at this sport it was always a competition and i think i never allow myself to create a real 
male relationship because I don't I, I could never put in the back of my head or or never erase out of the back of my head that whenever maybe he was better than me, then I felt like I was less of a man than that person. And instead of understanding that we're just different, we're just we I can be good at this and still be man enough. He can be bad at that and he's still man enough. So I don't think I've ever created that male relationship with anyone, which obviously not having a male relationship with my father where I could like actually speak to him, share with him different feelings. It just created this emptiness on myself where I could, I didn't have anyone to talk to. I didn't have any male person to share my feelings, my emotions, my anything. So at the end of the day, I rely on women. But the problem with that is that Although, I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong on relying on a women figure to, to maybe share some of that stuff. The problem is that it, it almost becomes my, my dump ground. In this case, like my wife became my dumpster. Like she will have to take on the load of every single one of my problems. And then obviously that created issues between the two of us because it's not that she has to carry her loads and my loads. And that is obviously wrong. Uh, and but at the end of the day, even by me sharing some of these things with my wife, it was never enough anyways, because I, I would always crave this relationship with another male figure. I, I, it was, I, I have a brother, and unfortunately, even my brother and I don't have this healthy relationship, because at the end of the day, my dad created um, a, a big competition between the two of us, because we're only one year apart. But my dad will always, like play favorite and then for example like uh, always lean towards my brother and then it's like oh he's better than you or he does this and he's he's more he will never use the word he's more man than you but he will always is it's always he's better than you but obviously in your country in, inside yourself you're like he's a better son he's a probably better man and you create all then you create this negative emotions towards your own family because of the whole meant uh, on misguided masculinity. Uh, so I think it created a lot of dark and, and, and clouded uh, uh, thoughts in my head because it, it was never, I would never feel enough. Then obviously it created other issues where because I didn't feel enough and I was trying to do th manly things that will make me feel enough, it created weight problems. Like in, in, in the case of Omar, like for example, it was like losing weight. And my case was gaining weight because I think, as I said, I got created this. I never had this um, addiction to food or drugs or cigarettes or alcohol. I've never developed any of that, but I did develop a massive addiction to food. And the problem is that it created me to allow me to gain a lot of weight. But then it's like my addiction created more of more feelings of not feeling men enough because then I was overweight. And obviously that doesn't allow me to feel men enough because I see all my other friends or other guys, they're all like built and ripped and they have great bodies and all the girls look at them instead of looking at me because I am overweight. So it's, 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 it's a ripple effect. Like one little thing creates so much problems. And the problem is that we go deeper and deeper and deeper on the rabbit hole. And that's where a lot of men cannot get out because we have this constant competition between ourselves. And it's not just 
with our own selves is with other men. So it becomes more harder because then the world is against you. And then obviously you're, you become unattractive to women because at the end of the day, like in your eyes, you see yourself as this worthless human being and then you're unattracted to everyone basically. So it's, 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 it's sorry. It's, go ahead. it's crazy because like we're all told about who we should be attracted to as well. Like, you know, women are told that we should be attracted to a man that's maybe a certain height, that's got a certain body and men are told that they should be attracted to certain women. Like we're literally fed that. So then, then we, when we're not, when we don't have the body we were told to have, then that's just another thing that we hit ourselves with is, Oh, it just annoys me. There's just so much um, toxic programming that is making us all feel not good enough or not worthy on top of any trauma that you faced anyway. So that's just like, you've got childhood trauma and Manny, you've been through some awful things. And then on top of that, you've got all of the, um, you know, I must look like this to be a man. I must earn this much money to be a man. I must have a wife that looks like this. I must, you know, and all these other things that just even more... and. You know, I used to feel like I was trying to tick all these boxes so that one day I would feel like I was enough. But no, but that never happened. Even if I lost weight or whatever, or got part, it didn't change how I felt on the inside. Um, well, then the problem is that the problem is, for example, like I, I hit the jackpot with my wife. I mean, I guess every man should say the same, but I hit the jackpot with my wife. It's a beautiful woman. It's, it's extremely attractive. It was the girl that every single guy in the school wanted to be with. And, and, and then it made me like, I was like, wow, like I, I got the girl. I got the girl that all these guys were hitting on. I am victorious. But then you feel like that is going to help you be like, okay, that's it. I'm man enough. But then the problem is it doesn't help. It actually makes it worse. Because then, for example, at least for me, it was like, well, now it's like, you know, it's like those boxing uh, champions, like they got to keep the belt. So then it's like, I got to continuously con do all these different things to be man enough. So there's no other man that comes and tries to challenge my, my trophy and try to take it away. And then it, be, it, it creates this, this toxic uh, uh, relationship with myself and with my wife, because then I'll become jealous and I'll become uh, controllative and I will be like, no, I, I don't want you to go to this party because there's going to be other guys there and I'm not going to be there. And it is, it's a massive ripple effect of things. Like you think that when you got that, you you're, that's it, you're done. No, <laughs> once you get to the top, your problems just got bigger. Like, so it's this, this big issue that we need to, we need to we need to stop saying to men that they gotta get to the top. Like we gotta like we can't like because it's not right. We not having the most amount of money makes you better of a man. It just creates more problems because then there's other men that are gonna have more money than you. Uh, like you know, like there's always this constant competition between us that needs to end, and uh, it's taking the lives of so many of us. And thankfully, like, I, I guess I'm thankful for the three of these gentlemen to be in, in here or the other gentlemen that I guess have realized this on time and maybe their lives that they're still here when they couldn't be here. But there's so many other ones that we still need to get to them. But the system is bigger than us, unfortunately. And, and if we don't unite and make this uh, a, 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 um, a more known movement, 
we're still going to see more lives of other men taking, like being taken away by this toxic uh, uh, system. And not just that, like I, I've recently constantly say this phrase that by creating a safe space for men to be vulnerable, I think immediately as a consequence, we are creating a safe space for women to be free. Because the problem is that women are slaves of men's masculine, toxic masculinity. Like they, there are victims and not just women, child as well. Like childs are victims of this toxic system that we have to change. Very, very true. And so I think from people listening, whether you're a woman or a man, and even if I have lots of women that listen, but just sharing it with with the men in your life, just like I know lots of men that struggle with their mental health, but they um, don't want to go there with this. And so they may be drinking or doing other behaviours, working too much to stop them from feeling that not enough feeling, which I'm guessing is what they are trying to ignore and then you know it can escalate like you know with my dad him taking his life and I heard of somebody and um, there's a relative of a relative and he took his life struggling with mental health all of this time um literally desperate for help but wouldn't go and speak to a therapist wouldn't go speak to people about it use it alcohol to medicate and then obviously the issue just gets bigger and it takes you over so this system that you say Manny is so toxic it's just killing people it's ruining relationships it's um you know meaning as well that we're carrying on the intergenerational trauma too because this toxic masculinity is part of intergenerational trauma so you know when your husband or your partner is you know wanting to ignore the chores at home or showing that you're a team or being balanced that's going into your children and then that's continuing the process all over again so and it's like it's just this massive demon that's making people not feel good enough and then like your point there Manny is just that it's allowing women to be the ones that are getting like the abuse or the being the place where where the man takes out his trauma because that's what happened in my house, the men were taking out their trauma on women who felt that they had no, that that was what they were there for almost, you know, like just to, for that to be their job or something like that. It was just insane. But I really appreciate all of your honesty and how much you're all working on being healthier men. So the next question I want to ask you, you're clearly all on your own healing journeys. You've each touched on it. But for anybody listening, um, and if somebody's wife has passed in this episode, what would be your tips, um, you know, in terms of going on this healing journey? Like what what are the things that have helped you? Wants to go I think for, for me, it's been kind of just understanding why, why the journey is important. Um, you know, like I know for a lot of men, sometimes thinking about, oh, I, I myself can live my best life if I go and, you know, do therapy and do all the work that I, I deep down know I need to do. But sometimes it's like we need to do it for our wife or our family or our kids or something. Right. So, you know, something like I like to like that I've said before, like when we meet and whatnot is, you know, if you're not a reason enough. Right. Like we can at least be you know, we can try to be people that like our mothers and our grandmas and our sisters will be proud of, right? Like if that needs to be the reason, right? But I, deep down, I'd, I'd really just encourage men to, you know, like understand like you're here for more than just going to make money and, you know, you know, checking that box, right? Like a lot of us, I think we just become obsessed with that and that, that 
drive so many of our really poor decisions. Um, we make good decisions along the way, of course, but if we become too narrow-minded without understanding we're here for more than just that, um, I think that's, that's a huge thing, you know? And I think like, you know, more of us just need to be, be mindful of like, you know, what is it that we want? Because like, I'm sure deep down, we all know sort of what we want out of life, but it's about making that first step. Like, you know, sharing, you know, when, like, like for me, for example, like when people ask like, oh, hey, how are you doing? Like for me, I've actually started to try and just be honest and see how they respond when I do that. Right? Like if I say, oh man, like I just had the worst day, like this happened and I feel really low. And then like, they're almost stunned because it's like, oh shoot, I didn't know he was feeling that way. And oh, now is it safe for me to tell him he feel that I feel that way too? And can we, can we figure this out together? Maybe, right? So I think it's just like, you know, just like people can bond over playing sports or whatever it is, you can bond over shared trauma too. Right. Like that, that, that's been such a starting point for so many amazing friendships that I know of, because, you know, that that's kind of like that accountability partner. That's that's a friend. Right. It doesn't feel like, oh, my God, this is homework my therapist gave me. And now I got to go and do this. It doesn't feel like that work in the same way, you know. And I think what else I'd encourage men to do is just, you know, play the long game. Right. Because we can very easily get caught in our heads. And like I said earlier, like lose massive amounts of time in our life. Right. And, and that's, that's a pitfall that I see, especially men fall into. We kind of just get stuck there and we don't, we don't really tell ourselves anything good. We just constantly give ourselves like the bad feedback loop, you know? So, you know, like I, I, I actually practiced something myself that I, I found like really shocked me at how negative my inner thoughts were, which is, you know, I would, I would pay attention to what I would think when I look in the mirror first thing in the morning. Right. And usually it's just like, oh, dang, you messed up your beard. Oh, shoot. Like, looks like that that bag of chips you had last night's really showing in your stomach now. You know, like it would just be bad things. I would never actually say, oh, dude, like I like your hair today. Like you did a good job. You know, like the way you plucked your eyebrows, they're both perfect on, on both sides now. You know, like it like I would never do that. So one thing I started to do is I would actually have like post-it notes and I'll just write down what those negative things are and I'll put them up on the wall. And it's like seeing all of that almost encouraged me to be like, damn, Josh, like get a hold of yourself, right? Like you're, you're almost expecting like the outside world to be that positive feedback loop when you can't even do that for yourself, right? So I think it's just like understanding like there's a relationship to be had with yourself too. And you don't just have to beat yourself up. And, and I think men, we just have a habit of finding new ways to beat ourselves up. Um, I'm not going to get into the whole history of who it was, but there, was a, there used to be a Mexican president that had this saying that was, your liberty and your freedom ends where the liberty and the freedom of the other individual starts. So what I feel is I, I, I have to understand and I, I, I had to like realize how much of my, my, my issues were affecting the people around me in extremely negative ways, especially my direct family, like my wife, my kids. What is the load they're taking for me not taking control over my own life. And, and I, and I used to feel, I guess that, well, as you, you said, it's almost like the responsibility, like there, that's what, like in this case, my wife, that's what she's here for. But then is where is where I'm respecting her freedom to be happy, her freedom to, to feel plenty herself. I'm not, I'm, 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 I'm doing it for myself, I guess, to, I'm trying to feel good with myself by releasing all this trauma and negativity to her, but why, where's where I'm allowing her to also, and not that I have to allow her, but why I'm not like giving her the chance also to herself feel plenty. And, and I have to take control of it because then obviously 
it doesn't matter if maybe I ended up really relationship with my wife and I started another one, the same issues were going to carry on as, as long as I didn't work on myself. And I guess the tips that I can, that I can give to other men is I, I guess, well, the first one is do not like take therapy. I mean, obviously taking therapy is one of the biggest things that has helped me. Um, it, it needs to be, the stereotype needs to be broken on how therapy is wrong. Uh, I remember being so sad when my therapist told me, you're, we don't need to see each other once a week anymore. Like if you want, we can like, I'm like, no, I want to continue with this. Like I want the once a week thing. She's like, yeah, it's fine if you want to continue, but you don't need it. You're like, you already, you have the ball started already. So just keep it rolling. Um, and, and I think every single man should take therapy. Every single human being should take therapy if it's under their possibilities. Um, and, and definitely allowing yourself to be vulnerable with other male figures is, should be something that it's one of the biggest tips. I, 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 it, it, the, the space has to be created. And I guess that's why all these human beings in this podcast are trying to do. We're trying to create that safe space for men or even women to be free, but for men to be vulnerable. Because I think that is, one of be, that is going to be one of the biggest uh, triggers on making this, the changes for other men possible. Can I just say, this is just such a beautiful conversation. You know, this is just so raw, authentic. And I'm actually, you know, full of emotion a little bit here. And I'm not afraid to share that. You know, I've got like butterflies in my stomach. My eyes are filling up a little bit because it's just so open and honest and genuine. And it's such a nice place to be, you know, in a group like this right now. And for me, you know, the healing process this time round, because I've had periods in the past where I've tried to take my own life and, and things and went through elements of therapy and whatnot. Um, so I'm coming out of a long-term relationship and I think the plates are still kind of up in the air, shall we say, with it. Um, but for me, it was like hitting rock bottom um, and then having to go inward and face my inner demons. And I totally resonate with what you were saying before, uh, Manny, about how when you put, when you're dealing with things in yourself, you obviously put pressure on, you know, those who you're closest to, you know, um, and I did that, but I wasn't aware of it. You know, um, I was this person that became a little bit controlling and thought that I must be right because my parents were the same. And I, I wasn't able to join those thoughts up, you know, it, it wasn't. And, you, and when you end up in that situation, you just hurt that person you were in a relationship with, you know, you hurt the mom, you hurt the dad, you hurt cousins, the other people there. And, and it's not until you tell I've gone through the journey that I've been on um, to get the therapy to understand, you know, how adverse childhood experiences have conditioned myself to be a certain way um, and how, how much it really kind of, you know, the, the impact it had on, on their lives as well as a detriment. Just 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 because you've you've become a certain way, but all you're really doing is you're trying to protect yourself. You know, you're afraid. I was afraid. I was afraid. I was so scared. I didn't know what to do. 
and and until you really start to face your fears and 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 unmask yourself from this person that you became that you were becoming or you you, you believe that's the right way to be you're not able to move forward and I've been so grateful that I've been on a journey. I'm in a position now where I've recently finished my therapist because my therapist saying that I'm learning more from her um, now, or she's learning more from me rather. Um, but that doesn't stop me doing the work. You know, I know Bampreet, I still do work with yourself. I know he sent this week's my homework and I sent that to you already. And I work with other coaches. I've done a, a course recently on an, uh, emotional intelligence, you know, and I still... Uh, and I've had a few EFT sessions of yourself, uh, Manpreet, as you know. Uh, meditation, I meditate every day. I journal as well. Um, Josh, I know you mentioned about, you know, putting on post-its saying you love yourself and, and things like that. So I read earlier this year Louise Hayes' book called Mirror Work. And, and I would look in front of the mirror, not just look at my face, but look deep into my eyes and say, oh, my, I love you very, very much, you know, for a place of of two wholeheartedly self-love and for a while um, I also disconnected and created a boundary with my in-laws um, because I felt I, it was too triggering for me and about two weeks ago I met my father-in-law and we had a really good conversation um, on the beach in Aberdeen and you know he opened up and I opened up as well as, as I told him about my sexual abuse in the way that he heard it from me and, and 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 what had happened and how it affected the had with myself um and how it led me to her you know her daughter his daughter and and how i wasn't really able to kind of be the person that i should have been um and you know he, he was just really really touched by that and you know we embraced afterwards and he said that he loved me and i said i loved him and and, and that was it and and then a few days ago, I actually saw my in-laws as well. I was in a, out for a meal and they were in the same place. And I went over and just just talked to them, you know. Again, shared my story from a place of being vulnerable, but also from a place of being compassionate and, and loving and not from a place of ego. And my sister-in-law, my brother-in-law were up as well. So, you know, I give them, I give them a hug as well. And I said, you know, really good to see you guys. And... I think that's when you really start to become man enough, really, when you're able to kind of face these these demons, these fears, and really start to to own up for yourself and 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 becoming an avid reader as well has really kind of it helped me, you know, to move forward as well and share my traumatic experience so then so I'm no longer defined them by them. Um recently as well, I'd like to add that. There's a group in Aberdeen called Manchat, um, and it's it was set up by a guy about three years ago who tried to commit suicide as well. And every week they meet uh, on an evening and we just kind of get together. There's usually between 20 and 40 guys there, and there's always new people that turn up as well. And the Facebook page has got nearly 30,000 likes or something, and Aberdeen's not really a big city. Um, but it's so good just to be able to connect with like-minded people in there. And whenever I go, because of the experience I've been on, I get put with a new table and a new guys. And I remember a few weeks ago, there was a guy, he was 19 year, years old, and he kept me and he was going on about his problems and what had happened. I don't want to dwell too much about that, but, you know, bad relationship with parents, so on and so forth. And I, and I said to him, do you love yourself? 
And he was looking down while he was talking at that point where I was going on about my family. But when I asked him about, do you love yourself? He actually looked up at me and looked in the eyes and he said, no, I don't. So do you not love anything about your body or, you know, your face, your eyes, your arms or whatever? And he went on and on and started going down a bit of a negative route. And then I waited for him to stop talking. And I said to him, the fact that you're here tonight opening up at that age, 19 years old, and you're saying what's going on, that's actually an act of self-love, you know. And he didn't really know what to make of it because he's only 19, I thought, but I just hope, you know, in six months' time, a year's time, a month's time, he turns around and he says to me, yeah, you know what, I am actually taking care of myself. I am actually loving myself. I am actually being vulnerable, you know, and vulnerability isn't a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength. Um, And I love a quote by Brené Brown where she says that vulnerability is actually the birthplace for creativity, innovation and change. You know, that's just so beautiful. And very, very true. But what I really took from all of your stories as well is just how much it helped you to actually connect with other men and be vulnerable and share your story, that that was so important to your healing journey. And obviously what's amazing about the three of you is that you are now those men that when that other men wake up and they want to have that conversation in your communities, etc., they know to go to you or wherever you are. And I think that's the thing. Like, it's just being that guy that sort of says, oh, how are you doing after that? You know, um, in my friendship group, um, quite a few of them have had miscarriages. And um, one I saw, like I witnessed the conversation, honestly, it gave me tears in my eyes, when one was saying, how are you doing to the, to the man, like to the husband? And just, oh, this is what happened for me. And this is how it, this experience affected me. And like just being there for, for him and like holding space and speaking. And it's not just us women that need that. It's we all need, again, it's very human. And that you need that from men too, not just your women or your female friends or whatever. It's men as well. And what sounds really powerful on your journey, it's not just the therapy and the reading of the books and all that stuff, but it's that is the connection to men. So I can't thank you all so much for coming on this conversation. I'm thinking about loads of people I can send this podcast to just so they can hear an authentic conversation and that there is no shame in saying I'm not doing so great now and to let the mask down. And and you guys are all showing so beautifully. I think, Omar, you said being man enough should be taking responsibility for the man that you are, the human being that you are, the um you know, the example you are setting your children, the way you are treating your partner, that's what being man enough and not what we've been told, which is rich or successful or um, handsome or good body or whatever. And we've all, men and women, have been fed a load of shit as part of our culture. Um, And, you know, we're all struggling with it in different ways. And I just think that I can't thank you enough for all talking about this because I've just learned so much even about my own partner. (laughs) Could I just send him this podcast like soon? Um, So is there anything that you all want to say before we wrap up? Um, I think um, one of the the, the definitely things that I want to share with other men is that at the end of the day, it's, I feel a lot of us sometimes kind of like fall into this uh, rabbit hole of, of well, what we've been talking about. We're, I'm not enough, right? And I'm not successful enough. There's this book that I just finished reading. Um, this um, 
the subtle art of not giving a fuck. Uh, and Mark Manson is the author. And one of the things that resonated more with me is when he starts talking about how we ha- we kind of like don't understand that being mediocre sometimes is okay. And what he means with being mediocre is okay is that sometimes like we fall into this, um, like we want to be so successful, but it's almost like an action of trying to feeling enough. And sometimes even when we get to the successful part, we still don't feel enough. And then some other people fall into the, like the opposite where it's like completely like, victimizing themselves completely destroying themselves because then that also grabs the attention from people i feel like being mediocre like i don't need to like be so successful i don't need to be uh this crazy business person i don't need to be perfectly healed in order for like to start making those changes like uh as an example josh did an amazing act of bravery you could say yesterday he shaved his beard He's doing it for the Movember campaign. And I know he put a lot of pressure on me to do it, but I am not ready. Uh, I think um, Erwin, one of the, our group of like men that is in the circle, he brought an amazing topic at the beginning of their life share when they were going to shave their beards about how even the beard is our mask to some of us. And I, I can say that I am a guy that is already on that healing process. I'm a guy that is already maybe like uh, in, in in that step of his life where I'm I'm healing and I'm I'm working on myself a lot and I acknowledge all the different parts. But it's okay for me to still want to keep certain masks on. It's okay to me for me to still keep some of the armor on, and my beard is still my armor in certain areas. I I'm not ready to take it off. I'm not ready to do a Movember shape. Uh, although like, I think it's an amazing, amazing initiative. I, I think it's something great for the ones that like, maybe don't care too much about the facial hair or that it's something that doesn't define them, but it's okay to feel that you're not ready. I think it's, it's one of the things that men need to understand is this change is not going to happen in a few months. It's not going to happen in a few years. It, it might take decades for us to be and I don't think it's ever going to be uh, the perfect change. But I feel one of the, 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 the things that happened with me was that I wanted to have the change done immediately and almost feel perfect immediately. But that's not going to happen. And, and then not, knowing, not thinking that you're not making this changes fast enough might discourage you from continuing. But I think the important part is that it's okay to be mediocre if you want to call it like that it's okay to stay and kind of like float on the same space for 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 some time as long as you know you're not going back it's just i guess that is the only thing that i would like other men to know that you don't need to always be moving forward as long as staying still is not making you go back like and, and even if you do go back if you go back to that same spot and you're like kind of like keeping yourself within the same area it's, it's, it's that is fine as well like if the changes that you're making are positive that's just important because we measure sometimes ourselves too much on how fast how fast we can move forward but sometimes it's not possible and that's just not 
the healing journey is very uh, stop and start. And like you say, you want to keep that armor on for a bit because it doesn't feel safe yet. But in a year when when Josh asks you, you might feel differently. And, you know, sometimes like with my journey, I shuffle back. Um, I had a little bit shuffle back in October with some other stuff that came up that I had to heal and feel and, and you know, shed. But then there'll be something else another time. It's just all part of the process. But the thing is, like Omar said earlier, you're just always becoming a new version of yourself. A new version of yourself is being born in every single moment because you can choose to be something different. And, and that is brave and courageous and strong and no none of us are perfect and none of us are a perfect human being nobody even leaves the planet fully healed it's part of why we're here right because the more we heal and the more we learn we get to share with other people like you guys are right now and when I have you back on in however long it is there'll be other stories and other realizations that you learn and that's all part of the process of healing um, and that's for all of us. But like you said, um, chasing perfection is it just makes us feel bad about ourselves anyway, because nobody is. Um, did anyone else want to say anything before we wrap up? Yeah, um, I I want to thank you uh, for for gathering us together to do this. This has been really awesome. Um, I've gotten a lot out of it as well, you know, being in the company of you three. So thank you so much for that. Um, you know, just a few points, kind of just, just last, last things to say to, to guys who happen to be listening, you know, is it's kind of just like, who are we performing for, you know, um, and it kind of, it kind of goes for everybody, right? Um, men, women, everybody It's like, who are we really performing for? Because at the end of the day, we're all saying we're not doing good enough, right? So who are we, who are we impressing? What are we living up to all that kind of stuff, you know? So for me, I found like when it came to this whole idea of enough, even, even the fact that we have to use the word enough, it's like, why, why aren't we just believing that we are? Like, why is that a distinction, right? So for, for me, I kind of look at it just like, how, do, how, do, how, do I, how would I feel if I encountered myself like out in public, right? Like, would I like myself? Would I like what I'm giving back to me? You know, would I want to be this person's friend? You know, would I, would I consider a relationship with this person? You know, I think asking ourselves those questions, especially about ourselves, I think that will reveal a lot. And I think that usually the only time that men tend to confront that is when their daughter brings home somebody who's exactly like them. So I'd like to encourage men, you know, how about we, we try and do some damage control preemptively, um, you know, so you don't have to end up there, right? Because at the end of the day, we are the example for the people around us, whether that's, you know, um, our nephews and nieces or our children, even, even our peers, right? Like, like everybody, we're, we're all just examples to at all times, right? Like if someone chooses to look at us as an example, that's one thing, right? But I would just encourage us to do that because, you know, at the end of the day, I think we have a lot of like the solutions and answers and whatnot within us, right? And, and I think it really just takes that one sort of moment for us to feel safe where we can like let it out and it's almost gonna like spew out. Right. And I think a lot of a lot of healing can happen over the course of one conversation from men. That's what I've seen. So that's what I'd encourage. No, I, I totally I totally resonate with what you're saying as well there, Josh. It, it really does, you know, men just need to to speak up for sure. And and same with yourself, Manny, as well. It's it's really important that 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 we do that. Um but I think one of the the, the things for me, I remember reading a book about a year ago um, called A Choice by Edith Eager, and she said that towards the end of the book, and I didn't really understand it even at the time, but now I, now I do, you know, now I get it. And she said that healing 
isn't about recovery it's about discovery and pretty much you know this this process I've been on and even today I've still learned I'm still discovered so much about you know such nice beautiful human beings that are on the call today you know genuine and it's made me feel that I'm not on my own you know it's made me feel that we're in the same boat and we're still involved in different time zones and different parts of the world we're still carrying some of these things but what's so amazing about this is that we're owning up you know we're owning them we're taking responsibility not just responsibility but I'd to say radical responsibility and and in doing so um it really is starting to for me anyway you know really really sort of transform the way I, I show up and I still make mistakes you know I still go backwards a little bit sometimes there's no shame in that um I'm still not not perfect and I know you know Manny says that it's, it's about that as well you don't have to be you know Mr Universe or anything like that you just need to be true to yourself and honour yourself and I strongly believe as well that as you start to change your inner world then then your outer world changes as well and um, and that is part of the process of change so thank you. Thank you so much, guys. You have been so amazing. Um, when I created Heart Happiness, which was like a year ago when I started the podcast, it was always my intention to create a space for men and women. I never wanted it just to be about women. So any of my services, my membership group, everything like that is for both because I have seen in my family men and women struggle with patriarchy, toxic um, masculinity, um, you know, uh, self-hate, addiction, trauma, like it was, you know, it's very important for me to have that of both. So I, that's why it was so important to have this conversation with you all today. So I can't thank you enough. You've even helped me understand like my dad a bit better, my partner, my brother. So I really appreciate that. And, you know, I'm going to make a pledge myself to have more um, men on the podcast I'm going to find them because they're harder to find but men on the podcast that are creating these communities online like I know Josh and um, Manny you've got stuff going on in Canada which is amazing and I will put all those details in about your Instagrams and stuff like that but I do feel like we need a lot more spaces that people can go and explore like which is why men are always welcome to mine but I'm going to find more sort of coaches that are in this space just to try to create that really important male conversation which it sounds like has really helped you um so thank you so so much like it's been amazing and um i really appreciate it it's been absolutely fabulous i actually feel i might cry after this so i really appreciate it thank you guys oh i was just gonna say that this is an awesome experience and i, I at the end of the day like what you were saying is that you're like for example josh has something going on i'm trying to get something running but at the end of the day, I think um, the, the, what is going to create the most impact is this unit and, and, and this uh, alliances that can be created between men, for example, like Josh and I, I guess, or in this case, between us with you. Because if, I think the, the working individually is never going to achieve anything unless we have good uh, people in our, in our sidelines to, to actually make this movement even bigger, right? Like men, men need to be part of the feminist groups and f women have to be part of this uh, right now movement for men to be free. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we all need to be together, right? Like I've always say that as an activist, there's 
you cannot just be an activist for one cause and not and, and turn your blind eye to every single other like activism out there like you like you have to be an activist for everything uh because that's the only way we can actually make true and real change with our in within our community or in our world so i mean right now we have two people from canada somebody in the united kingdom somebody from scotland like we have all these different people from different parts of the world creating some kind of alliance and we just need more we just Mm -hmm. need more of this but it's amazing that that this is already like getting started Mm. I mean, it's a human problem, not a man or woman problem. It's a human problem. It's um, part of intergenerational trauma. It's affecting the next generation already. So even after we've all gone, you know, if we don't all do something about this and have these conversations and heal, I mean, bless them, the next generation have got other problems like environmental issues they're going to have to deal with. Like if we could help out with this, that would be great. If we could help remove some of that trauma and damage from the old way of thinking, the old paradigm you know that kind of this is man this is woman once we actually do that together like there's actually nothing that we will be able to do once we're you know like blending our masculine and feminine energies that we both have because we each have that and just like you know I just think that's so important which is why I talk about these type of things on the podcast but thank you guys so much was there anyone else that wanted to say anything else Uh no, I just, I just want to say, like, I know, I know what Manny's up to down here, but Omar, I, I thought that it's, you know, what you shared about having that with that 19 year old. I think that's, that's awesome. And I think people who listen are going to resonate with that because I think usually with, you know, when people are doing the healing journey, um, uh, like people who aren't, aren't on the journey, they're hearing about the journey, right? Like what I find happens is they almost assume like, okay, so that means Omar is going to be laid up. Uh, he's going to be totally incapable of doing anything for the next six months or whatever. He's not going to be dependent. Like, you know what I mean? Like it it takes away any element other than just the fact that you're trying to just get help to improve yourself. You know what I mean? So I think the fact that you're doing all this work and you're still making time to go and impact other lives, I think that's absolutely incredible. And I think like more, more men, as they see that you can heal while you're also helping others and facilitating their healing as well. I think that's going to break down some stuff too, because you know, for men, like, usually it's like, you know, we, we, our success or whatever is how quickly we could get through that checklist and how much money we could have made or saved or whatever it is. Right. But I think there's just so much more to it. And I think like you showing this side of it, I think, I think that's incredible. Really inspiring. Yeah, no, thank you. Thank you very much. And and I do, it's very true. You know, the more I open up and the more I share, the more you attract when your life that, that value you, you know, see the worth in yourself and you're not judging them or, 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 or you kind of, you're kind of connecting them from a, connecting with them from a place of, 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 of kind of, yeah, just being vulnerable, you know, and, and, and that's it. And, and it's so beautiful that I, I'm able to do this and I embrace doing it. And um, it just makes me, in in so many ways you know I feel grateful that I've been on this journey and I don't regret what happened to me in the past I don't hate that because it's actually made me grow into the person that I that I am today and you know I'm, I'm going to continue doing what I'm doing so thank you thank you very much you guys are all amazing because I think something that I've realized since I started my podcast last year was I was just coming on to share my experience but the amount of conversations I've had with people where they've just gone, me too, that happened to me too, that's my childhood too, that even though, you know, that has been so healing for me, 
just having that validation and that connection with people that I don't always have in my um, other relationships because they're not on the same path. And that's been like man, woman, whatever, I don't care. That's been so powerful for me. And that's why, you know, you can do this work and do it with others and share what you've learned and help someone that's maybe just a little step behind you. That's all that coaching really is because it's just saying that this is what I did. This is my tools. Do you, if you want to do that, then then you're going to feel a bit better. And I think as well, you all need to have your own podcast anyway, but I think as well, everybody listening, um, you know, for men that are like, oh gosh, this is me. Like just even ha- starting those things in your own communities, being that guy that is asking other guys, like, how are you doing? I was feeling quite bad about that. But like creating these groups of, you know, you know, like um, Josh and Manny, what you're doing in Canada, you know, the group Omar that you're attending in Aberdeen, like just having more of those kind of spaces pop up all around the world that just create that safe space to have a conversation. It may just start with a couple of people and then turn into something else. But that in itself would be so incredibly healing for so many. Um, and, but I promise I'm going to have people that come on that have like online spaces and places for people to meet all over the world. I think that's one of the reasons why um, like recovery, like AA is really powerful because it brings like men into that space and then they have that connection in that community. And um, we definitely need to build more of that. So I'm going to do what I can for that as well. But thank you guys so, so much. Um, this has been so amazing. I can't wait to share it with so many people. Um it's been lovely. So I hope I'll have you back again anyway. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all. And there we have it, guys. An episode completed. I hope you enjoyed it and it raised a load of awareness in your mind. There was alarm bells going. You were all like, ding, that's totally me. Cause that's what I was like when I started this journey. And that is the start of the process, finding out this information and realizing it has happened in your own life. So I really hope it was helpful. And before the next episode coming out next Wednesday, be sure to check us out on Instagram. So it's hearts underscore underscore happiness. Also, we have a YouTube channel where I share the videos I create for Instagram on. So you can check that out. They come on about once a week. And then we also have a Facebook group if you want to join to carry on the conversation. I want to create a community where we're all talking about our very real experiences and traumas. And then there is also my website called heartshappiness.co.uk, which you can check out to join our mailing list so that as I create new services and support tools for you all, you're the first to find out. And I have a freebie on there, so definitely check that out. It's five books that transformed my healing. So if you really want to kickstart and you know your life and the content in here, these books are like the basis of so much of my knowledge. So definitely check that out. And I will speak to you next week. I'm so excited to continue this journey with you to help you to find your own heart's happiness. Take care.